Vasudevasutam devam Tansujanuramardanam Devaki paramarandam Krishnam vannev jagatguram Hi and welcome to Gita Girl. My name is Sharmila and the Gita Girl podcast is about how to live skillfully and be your best self by using the advice in the Bhagavad Gita. Joining me on today's podcast is Shayla, Jesse Krishna Shayla. Jay Shri Krishna Sharmila, Jay Shri Krishna listeners. So recently I was listening to this podcast called Hidden Brain. Some of you all might have heard of it by podcaster Shankar Vedantam. In one of his podcasts, he was talking about the moral foundation theory. This theory, it is what it sounds like. It's the foundation that people have to determine how to make right or wrong choices. Everybody's moral foundation is different. And it depends largely on the culture and context of a situation. And it really got me thinking about the Bhagavad Gita and Dharma. And what guidance does the Gita give us on what is our duty? How do we decide what path to take when faced with a particular choice? How does the Gita help us define what our moral foundation should be? And is it something that is standard? Is it prescriptive? Is it not? Um, And so in this podcast today, we're going to take a deeper dive into how do you determine what your duty is? How do you figure out what is the right choice? What is the wrong choice? Because every day we're faced with a million different decisions. What do I do in this particular situation? And sometimes it's pretty black and white. And sometimes there's a lot of gray. And we're going to talk about what the Gita says about some things that you can weigh when you're making a decision. It's interesting how you said, is it prescriptive? Krishna is really not prescriptive at all. As we've talked about before, the whole Bhagavad Gita is dharma mama, my dharma. What is my unique individual responsibility in this situation. Krishna gives us guidelines that we can apply to our own personal situation to figure out what to do and what's the best path to take. Um, If it was prescriptive, that wouldn't make any sense because all of us are in such individual situations. Sure, when it's black and white, it's prescriptive, but life is more about shades of gray. So Krishna gives us these fantastic guidelines to figure out our dharma, our duty, our responsibility in gray situations, which I'm going to break down into four points today. The first one I have found to be the most counterintuitive, but actually the most helpful. In chapter 3, verse 34, Lord Krishna says, there are two stumbling blocks on your path that we all are under the influence of. Your likes and your dislikes which sounds strange. What's wrong with me being under the influence of my likes and dislikes? He says, we run towards the pleasant and we run away from the unpleasant. He says, as much as we think this is natural, being swayed by our likes and dislikes, most often this takes priority and influences us much more and affects the ability, the will to do our duty. Okay. It's confusing. It's not. I was going to say it actually really resonates with me. I mean, I feel like I'm faced with this 
kind of challenge almost every evening when I have a million things that I should be doing. I should check my email. I should be sorting through um, my mail, but all I want to do is binge. Never have I ever. (laughs) And you know, like I'm running towards exactly what I want to do. That's pleasant and that's enjoyable and running away from what I consider unpleasant though. Honestly, it's my responsibility. It's things that I should be doing, but I just have an aversion to doing at that time. That's a small example. There's obviously much more profound examples, decisions that are harmful for your body to do something that's pleasant and avoid things that are unpleasant. Like, do I eat a tub of ice cream or do I hit the gym? Yeah. I don't want to wake up at 6 a.m. and go to the gym, even though it's good for me. I'm running away from something that is unpleasant, even though I know that it's part of me taking care of my body. And so I think we all have many examples of doing that in our everyday life. And I'll give you a slightly bigger example that we talked about a few episodes ago. I have a student and we were learning about duty. And he said that he needed to fire an employee. The employee wasn't performing, was causing a lot of problems. He needed to fire his employee. But he said, I'm procrastinating. I don't want to do it because it's going to be unpleasant. It's going to be unpleasant for me. It's going to be unpleasant for the employee. He said, but unfortunately, it's causing other issues in my office that other people are complaining about this particular rogue employee's performance. They're getting demoralized. How come this employee is still getting a salary, still in the company when they're really not doing what they're supposed to do. He's just causing other issues. But I just feel that what's going to happen to this employee, if I fire them, how will they get another job? I mean, they're such an underperformer. So all these things were going through his mind. And similar to Arjun, right? Arjun didn't want to fight his wayward family because they were family and it was going to be unpleasant. So we had this class on duty and I said, stop running away from the unpleasant. Just Do it as your duty. He came back the following class and he reported back that he literally explained to this employee that I have to do this because you have not performed. And as much as it's going to pain me, it's my duty to fire you. And believe it or not, the employee took it really well. They said, oh, that makes sense to me. I understand. And he said it was so empowering. And I wished I had done it like months before But it was the way I thought about it and the way I presented it was much more palatable to me and the employee. And like I said, at the end of our last podcast, doing your duty is liberating. You've got to do what you got to do. That reminds me, those of us who are parents have told our kid when we have to discipline them or punish them for something and say to them, you know, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. And there is some truth to that because it is a difficult thing to take away something from your child to ground them or something. It is painful to see your child go through pain, but it's something that you have to do because you have to teach your child right from wrong or teach them that there's consequences of their actions or whatever reason it is. But I think it's similar to the situation you're bringing up with the employee in that you're doing something difficult. You're doing something unpleasant because you know that there's a positive outcome there and it's your responsibility. And also, I think if you view like this student of mine viewed the task as his duty and if you view disciplining your child as your duty, 
it becomes an easier pill to swallow. And I think you're calmer about it and less emotional about it. It's a lot more cut and dry. This is my duty. And that's where it begins and ends. You're right. It does take the sting out of it because you know you're doing your dharma. You're fulfilling your responsibility. That's right. So that's the first thing. Stumbling blocks on our path are our likes and dislikes. Don't let them sway you. The second issue when you're figuring out your dharma is to be wary of how your desires are influencing you. Lord Krishna says that when you are attached to something, when you're acting not out of your duty, but out of, I want this, I want this end result. He says, when you're deeply attached or desirous of something, he says in chapter two, verse 49, and chapter three, verse 19 and 20, he says, when you are deeply attached, desirous of something, it's this attachment which makes our actions inferior and makes us wretched, unhappy, anxious. And if you view the path you're taking, if you view your action as your duty, okay, what's my responsibility here? He says that then your actions, your decision-making is far superior and you're much more likely to do the right thing versus being swayed by what you want and therefore being motivated to do the wrong thing in order to get what you want. I can give you a really clear example, but you tell me, Shayla, what you think. It does make sense. And one of the things that I was thinking about when we think of being attached or desirous of something, we all kind of stumble upon the attachment to people liking us or being part of a group. And in order to be part of the group or to be liked, you let certain behaviors go and you know that it's wrong. Um, You don't say anything. You don't challenge anybody because you want to be part of that group. Mm -hmm. And that happens with kids. It happens with adults and giving into peer pressure. You ignore what you know is the right thing to do because you have that desire to be friends with somebody and fit in. That's a great example. And another example to me that's very clear is politicians. Oh, yes. So politicians seem to really have their act together, that make great promises, that make logical sense, that the population wants. And the minute they get elected, they lose their damn minds. They start making the wrong decisions. And I'm thinking, where are their brains? They promised ABC and now they're doing DEF. This makes no sense. And the reason is when they want to get elected, their brains are like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do ABC when I get elected. These are the things, ABC, that the people want. Then when they get elected, all they care about is re-election. They have an attachment to power, right? Absolutely. Um, and then they start doing stupid, rubbish, making crazy decisions in an effort to be popular. And then their decision-making capabilities go down the toilet. And you're wondering, like, what are they thinking? They're thinking about re-election. They're thinking about polling numbers. They're not thinking about their dharma anymore. 
it's out the window. So I think that is a very clear example to me of what happens when people get elected. And I think that we can see in our society, particularly our attachment to material things and our attachment to money and what that does to interpersonal relationships, what that's done to the environment. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, I mean, we can do a whole podcast on attachment to money alone, right? But I think that's just another example of how we make choices based on what we desire, power, money, being accepted, instead of making decisions that will be good for not only ourselves, but a broader community. Lord Krishna says about desire, and I'm quoting this, he says, doing work without attachment, one attains the supreme. It is through action without attachment alone that one can attain perfection. So if you have attachment, you're screwed. Your efforts, your decision-making capability is not going to be perfect. All skewed. I like the word skewed better than screwed. <laughs> it's both. <laughs> it's skewed and therefore you're screwed. <laughs> yeah. So the first thing, two stumbling blocks on your path, your likes and dislikes. Ignore those. Second thing is desire. Ignore that. Put that on the back burner. The third guideline I'd like to talk about now, and we did a whole podcast on this in season one during COVID. The Sanskrit word dharma comes from the concept of dhri. Dhri means to uphold the positive order of the world. So doing your dharma, your responsibility, your duty actually upholds the positive order of the world. And the way to figure out what your dharma is, if you combine the concept of three with another philosophy by 18th century German philosopher, Immanuel Kant, he's one of the most influential thinkers in ethics. Kant's formula of the law of nature states that you should act as if your action will become a universal law of nature. And basically what that means is if everyone did as I do and it became a law that everyone has to do what I do, what would happen to the world? Would the positive order of the world be uplifted or would the positive order of the world go down? And we talked about this in episode three of season one, I recorded an episode with Ami, whose husband was the head of ICU of a COVID-only hospital. And a lot of his colleagues were recusing themselves because at that time people were dying left, right and center, including some of his colleagues. And um, he decided to stay working as head of ICU. And his wife, Ami, was like, other colleagues are protecting their families and saying they can't work. And yet you're putting your life and our lives on the line by going to work. Ami had a tough time as much as she supported him, did what she needed to do. She had a tough time accepting that. And then we applied the concept of three and Kant's formula of the law of nature to his actions. 
And we found out that if he recused himself and did not go to work and said, I'm not feeling well, I'm not going to work, I'm taking a leave of absence until there's a vaccine, see ya, what would happen to the world? And if everyone did as he did, then COVID would run rampant, more people would die. And if one of his family got sick and needed to be rushed to a hospital, there would be nobody there to look after his children or wife or himself. But if everyone did as he did to choose to go to work and do what they needed to do, he was actually protecting his family. Because even if something happened to him, his family would get the care that they needed. So that helped Ami a lot in reconciling herself to the fact that her husband was putting his life on the line every day. And it wasn't in spite of his family, it was actually for his family, according to the Bhagavad Gita. Does that make sense or is that confusing? No, it makes sense. So the third guideline of this podcast is the concept of three If everyone did as I do, would it uphold the positive order of the world? That is also a great guideline to clarify a situation which is more gray, where you don't know what to do. And the fourth guideline, Lord Krishna says over and over in the Gita, stand up for the fight. Of course, he's telling Arjun to fight. Hopefully, we're not fighting anyone. But he says, stand up and do your duty. Don't shrink from what you have to do. This is the whole purpose of the Bhagavad Gita, to help us have the right mindset to identify and carry out our duty. Lord Krishna repeats over and over in the Gita, do what is required of you. In chapter 3, verse 30, Lord Krishna says, with the mindset, that Krishna is your boss and you're doing this for Krishna. He says, let go of your anguish. Let go of your distress, your anxiety, your attachments, your desires, and do your duty. And I'll give you an example here. When I was 30, I severely herniated a disc in my lower back. And my children were little babies and I couldn't carry them. I couldn't function as a 30-year-old young mother. So many things I couldn't do. And so much of my energy went into sadness, anger, regret, frustration, questioning why this happened to me, self-loathing if I had not gone to do what I had to do that day, if I had done something different. um, Why did this happen? So I was not healing as quickly as the doctors all thought I should have. And I truly believe that my anger slowed my recovery and I would have been better off accepting my situation and doing my dharma to focus on getting better rather than spending so much time fighting what my dharma was at that time and just accepting, that okay, I was injured, just doing my duty and accepting it, I think it would have been much, much better for me and better for my family. So that's an example of when we have distress, suffering, anguish, and we just don't do what we got to do and we kind of get lost in the emotionality of it. Right, right. 
stand up for the fight made me think of, you know, there's so many examples of us prioritizing loyalty to a friend over what is ultimately the right thing to do. And I think maybe we should think of our loyalty is to Krishna, our loyalty is to duty and to our dharma, and then you would make the right choice. You would know that it's better to you know, tell that friend that they shouldn't gossip about a mutual friend because your loyalty is to Krishna and what's the right thing to do and not necessarily allowing that person to get away with doing something wrong just because you want to be friends with them. You want to be part of that friend group. I mean, I think this really applies to all the guidelines we've mentioned before, whether it's being attached to this friendship, whether it's desiring money, no matter what the issue is, if your focus was on what Christian would want you to do and what your duty is and what your dharma is, then I feel like it's a little bit easier in that situation to make the right choice. That's a great point, Shayla. And as a bonus, Lord Krishna says in chapter 2, verse 37 and 38, he says that by doing your duty and accepting the results, being even-minded in success and failure or what you perceive as failure, he said, by doing your duty and accepting the results, being even-minded, staying calm with your intellect fully at the front of your brain and not being clouded by likes, dislikes, desires, he says that two things are going to happen. Either you succeed in which case, congratulations, you get the rewards that you wanted. Or even if you perceive that the results of your action is failure, he said you will still attain the good karma of having done your duty. He said you will still get the good karma, maybe not in the moment, but in the future, you will still get the good karma of having done your duty or trying to do your duty. So he said let go of anxiety and just do it. If you do your duty, there is no failure. What a freeing statement. Right. Honestly, right? I mean, it frees you from focusing on the outcomes. We've talked about this over and over again through podcasts. And I think this is something that holds all of us back as consistent, endless focus on what our actions are going to bring us. What is the outcome of this? But if we would just let that go and understand that the only goal we should focus on is doing your duty, making the right decision at the right time, in the right place, the right context is, first of all, the only thing you really have control over and will always get you the right result. And that right result is positive karma. It doesn't matter what else happens. By just doing that action, you've already received the ultimate benefit, and that is your good karma. Whatever else happens, it's not up to you. It's not within your control. And I just really love that statement. Just do it. You know, it's so true. Just know what the right decision is and just do it because what you perceive as these small decisions will ultimately make a larger difference in the world, hopefully. But either way, you've done the right thing, and that's going to have a positive impact on your karma. I love what you said, Shayla. This way, accepting the results and being even-minded and letting go of your anxiety, you'll conserve your energy and be able to move on and 
move forward and continue with the next action with much more energy and much more focus and much more intelligence than being mired in the anxiety and the regret of why didn't this turn out the way I thought it should have. It did turn out the way it should have. You got the good karma. That was the only thing that you should have been concerned about. Another thing I love what you said, Shayla, is that the focus on the results holds you back. And Lord Krishna says over and over that if you focus on the results, your action, your efforts are inferior. He says far superior is unmotivated action. When he says unmotivated, he doesn't mean you're not motivated. It means you're unmotivated by the goal and you're only motivated by your duty. It's tough to do. Very. I mean, everything in here is hard to do, right? Or it takes practice. You have to be very intentional and and thoughtful about your decision-making Um, But it's true. When you're focused on the outcome, you're focused on all the millions of variables. You're trying to control too much and too many things that are ultimately out of your control. And that, as we've talked about, leads to anxiety and stress and all the negative things that we're trying to avoid. But if you just focus on what you have control over, and that's making the right decision in that moment, whatever your moral foundation tells you that is, you make the best decision with the information you have, and then just let it go. You're golden. You're golden. (laughs) Stand up and do what you got to do. Amen to that. Or should we say amen to that? I was like, what would be the Hindu equivalent? (laughs) (laughs) High five, Lord Krishna. (laughs) Jai Shri Krishna. Jai Shri Krishna. And as always, thank you so much for listening on this podcast. We have a few more episodes about Dharma. We're going to dip into your duty as a parent. We have a special episode that's also focused on teens and dealing with all the challenges that comes with it. And drumroll, we have a very special episode (laughs) about what is your duty when it comes to dealing with the most difficult people in your life Krishna's got some ideas for you. So we look forward to those upcoming podcasts. And as always, check us out on Instagram, on Facebook. Both of those handles are at Geet the Girl Podcast. And write us a note. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at Sharmila at GeetTheGirl.com. Um, check out our website, GeetTheGirl.com. And uh, look forward to connecting again. Jai Shri Krishna. Jai Shri Krishna. Vasudevasutam devam tansu janur mardanam devaki paramarandam krishnam vannev jagat guram